what really what I really like about software is that you can legitimately change the world with it and that's kind of like what I'm looking to do so you asked before about e-commerce dropshipping you know maybe this is something that is just a stepping stone to like get me to the next level to get me to like the bigger industries and you know terms the world have impact you know just a bit more kind of thing. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Kyle Dane's software solution, SalesSource, is a proud continuation of the core catalyst that compels so many to commit to commerce. Need a problem solved? Solve it. Then scale it to solve for others. In fairness, we've had a number of dropship services along these lines, but it's important that we discover as many as we can. It's not enough that we engage one. We should know which is the exact fit for us. So listen on, because Salesforce is a true contender. Kyle Dane, it is good to have you here. Thank you for joining us in Ecomonics. How's it going today? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm feeling pretty relaxed at home. We've been doing pretty well with the company lately as well. Got a big commercial coming up. So overall, I'm doing doing pretty great. That's good to hear. Uh, for for uh, the interest of transparency, I'm not much of a relaxed person. I'm uh, right. I'm a bit I'm I'm a bit hardwired. I'm a bit neurotic. So you know I, I do I do my best to get through it. But uh, when I do get those windows of relaxation, oh my goodness, does it feel good? So uh, for that, I congratulate you. Um, well, let's get the ball rolling with our traditional starting question. Tell us, Kyle, who you are and what you do. So I'm Kyle Dane. I'm 22 years old and I'm the founder of SalesSource. I've been a successful dropshipper in the past, um, but my main forte is like software, innovation, you know, creating companies, creating technology. And that's kind of what I like to do, um, help people sell online, but more from a software perspective, more from a perspective where we're going to give you something that's going to easily simplify. It's like uh, the magic pill, basically. <laughs> of course, there is no magic pill. But to make your journey really easy with some nice software, some beautiful user experience, that's kind of like what we want to do. Uh, that's kind of like what I like to do. If somebody had, uh, uh, well, if somebody had described a sleep pill to me, to me, a sleeping pill is like the closest thing to a magic pill so far. Because <laughs> if they work really well, you, you get to sleep and you get to have crazy dreams. So... Uh, yeah. I think that's that's the closest that we've gotten. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Now, before I ask you about uh, Salesforce, because I want to get kind of like into the the meat of how it works. Um, one thing that uh, intrigued me from your uh, from your introduction is the software innovation. Now, do you ha aspire to work exclusively in the e-commerce space, or did you want to check out I, other um... industries as well? You know, I definitely have a lot of things that interest me, and in the future, I think like there's a lot of cool new industries that are coming up, like anti-aging, uh, you know, human-computer interaction. Um, you know, Elon Musk is doing some exciting stuff with Neuralink. So there's a lot of exciting stuff. But I think for now, e-commerce is what I'm currently focused on. But yeah, in the future, I really want to look into some of these cool uh, areas that interest me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, if, they, if they can figure out a way to get me to... Uh, be a little less neurotic, I might sign up for the beta. So <laughs> give us a pitch for Salesforce, how it came into being and uh, what our listeners need to know to be acquainted with the product, or I should say service. It's, I believe well, it's more SAS. 
kind of um it kind of came as a result of me dropshipping myself and then I wanted to create like a product that was going to be used just for me just to help me find like the best suppliers just to give me a competitive edge because when you're dropshipping you don't know who's like who is selling a product you know how much is this product selling what are good products to sell what is the cheapest supplier like there's no answer to all of these questions. There's no answer. And there was no softwares that were providing, you know, good answers to these questions. So for me, I created like a bunch of Python scripts um, created a database on my end. I was running it on my laptop at the time. Um, and I started scraping data and having a look at the trends. And that really helped me. And I decided at the end of the day that I would make something to help other people succeed in the e-commerce journey because I you know, owe a lot of my success to just e-commerce dropshipping. It gave me the money mm -hmm. so that I could start my software. So without dropshipping, I wouldn't have been able to afford to like do any of this. Um, so that's kind of like the the underlying story of SalesSource. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, and, and it's a consistent theme that I hear uh, in talking to guests is that dropshipping is always like a great way to start gathering those initial resources so that people can branch out and use that I thought, capital I thought, to make I, their I, I honestly thought it was a joke like in the beginning like i thought you know oh you can like make money online but you don't actually have to like buy the products like until someone makes a sale like is this a joke and i just i got like 200 euros from my grandmother <laughs> god bless her and then mm -hmm. uh, i just started like um my first store um took about a week to like make it and then I, I, it was it was an instant hit. Maybe I got lucky, but or maybe I just had like a a good like market insight, like you know, a good sense of kind of like what would sell. And I think that's the cool thing about dropshipping is if you think something will sell, you can easily prototype a website and test it in like a week, two weeks, and start making money quickly. Vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say too, because um, I learned about dropshipping. Uh, and proper when I was brought onto the company, but the previous job that I was working at technically was doing dropshipping, and I didn't even realize it. People would uh, mm -hmm. order products, and then we would source those products from authorized dealers. So we never padded ourselves, and that allowed us to uh, save a lot of the money on it. So I think we've we've seen variations of this business model, but I think the term dropshipping in particular is something that had people had to get used to. Now, as for your uh, your initial business, I know what it is uh, essentially because I read your interview on Medium. Um, you got into a, a vegan clothing store as your first shop, and yeah, it, it it took off. So, like, what what were some of the things that you did? I mean, I know you were doing your research for it, um, just based on what you've described so far. But yeah, tell us about how uh, how, how how well this went. Yeah, so I decided that I would do you know, vegan clothing, because I just had this, like, idea in my head that vegans are, like, very, very passionate about kind of, like, what they believe in. Now, I'm not personally vegan myself, but I think, like, if you want to, like, say that, you know, I'm vegan, you know, and tell the world about it, then, you know, that's that's fair enough. Um, and you should be able to do that. And I think I basically looked on AliExpress. I, I typed in the keyword vegan. And there's a lot of like interesting bunch of products and there are too many. So there wasn't too much choice. And the first one I did was like this vegan ring. Um, I, like I did this uh, free just pay shipping thing that like, you know, you can get this ring for free. You just have to pay shipping. Of course, 
it's not true because the cost of the item is included within the shipping and then also mm-hmm. the profit margin is included in the shipping. Um, and I posted a shout out on this guy's Instagram page. He had like 700k followers called Vegan Community. Probably the shout out is still there if you go down to his like posts. Um, I negotiated with him to get the shout out for a hundred pounds. Um, and in the first day, I think I made around three thousand dollars uh from 150 orders not just the ring i advertised the ring it was like this instagram post and it said like hey free vegan vegan ring click here get yours now Uh, i made it in canva and i kind of like just took off and i was amazed honestly i was shocked because i i I, it was like 1 a.m when the shout out like uh hit and i couldn't sleep all night like i was just staying up like looking at the shopify notification thing on my phone um, which is kind of exciting, yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's basically how I started, and from there I was addicted. Like you know, I that that was it. That was it. That was past the point of no return. Yeah, uh, vegan. I mean, I never spent too much time on the vegan ring, but I'm just. I mean, most. I, I assume that most rings are not made from animals. It's not. So. It's not. It's not the fact that it was. It's like um. Uh, I don't know if I can. Yeah, uh, it was like a ring. Um, yeah. it was vegan, of course, like, but it was also, it had like a V on it and the V, the, one of the tips of the V was like shaped, like had a leaf on the end of it. And it had like this like green gemstone, you know, like green vegan gemstone. It was a really okay. nice ring and you could get it in like silver and gold. And I don't know, like if you're vegan, I suppose it's just like a, a cool little accessory to have. So that, that ring really took off. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a visual guy, so I can actually picture it in my head and like, oh, yeah, okay, that actually looks kind of cool. And then, uh, and then of course, I, I go off in this, in this flight of fancy where I'm wondering if I collect another like seven of those, from, and then I put them together and I gain superpowers. But I'll I'll, I'll, I'll let that I'll let that go. So let's go back to uh, Salesforce. So I understand from the video, like the video introduction for it, that there are some different ways that uh, Salesforce analyzes products. Uh, I want you to go through them for our audience. Um, one of them I know is you can upload a photo and then they look at examine the photo for how that photo is uh, is relevant on on search engines, but I don't fully comprehend it. So I'm I'm hoping you'll uh, you'll, okay. you'll pull me well, out of this. Basically, the way it works is this is like quite a common um, technique used by a lot of fashion retailers nowadays. Like even Amazon uses it, uh, AliExpress uses it, a lot of fashion retailers use it, and it's like basically a reverse image search, but only within a certain product database. So for example, you could say we have 100 million products from AliExpress, and then we want to find all of the suppliers in there, but we want to find them by image, right? So that's where the machine learning kind of like comes in. And then once we get an image match, we can show you all of the suppliers. But also equally what we can do is we can show you as well, if we search for images on the web, um, also all of the other competitor stores selling that product, so instantly you're going to get all of the suppliers, um, you know, find what's the best price, what's the best shipping, um, you know, who else is selling the product in terms of competitors. And I think for dropshippers, that's honestly invaluable information. Like you have to know that before you start selling a product. Don't just like sell something willy nilly without knowing how you can make the max profit, where you can get it shipped from. And also other people selling your product, you can see are people actually making money with this? You know, is this saturating? Is it not? And uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, w- w- one thing I just want to uh, hone in on in regards to the images is I'm I'm intrigued as to how the image, um, what information they're actually pulling. Like, do they look at the 
the visual data of the pixel by pixel, and then they can find uh, that image match, or is it the URL, or if the images are tagged? It's, it's, like- uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's the visual image data. So um, I, they used to do this with like hashing, like they used to create like an image hash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with uh, like deep learning, you can do some more advanced like image recognition stuff. Um, it is a bunch of statistics. It's like you know, do we have like a correlation between this image and this image and the colors in this image and that image? Um, it's a bunch of like vectors and like matrices. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, it works quite well. I think it is fairly accurate. And you know, where it does make a mistake, like I think it can be forgiven because it's mm-hmm. accurate most of the time. That's the thing with AI, like it can be accurate 99.81% of the time. And if it's in a self-driving car, um, not so good. But 99.1 <laughs> is pretty good for like, you know, basically like image search online. You know, no one's getting hurt there. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that, that's reasonable. Not not as much damage is done. Um I mean even manually driven cars, there are still plenty of accidents that that go on there. And one thing that I know it can be it can seem a bit mystifying being able to pull up uh, other images on the web, but if you really break it down to the core essence is that all images uh, on a visual display are comprised of pixels. So pixels, yeah. even even the most beautiful uh I don't know 8K equivalent in photography image the more you zoom in, eventually you'll get back to a grid of square by squares, each one taking a different color. So yeah, so 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 the so the resource is certainly there. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Now, we don't get to like we don't get to talk about machine learning too much on the show, um, just because we don't have as many people who are like in- inclined into software and programming. So uh, your expertise on that is something that I uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I anticipate over time we'll be able to talk about it more as machine learning becomes something more integrated into our collective understanding. But uh, how is uh, is or how is machine learning integrated into Salesforce? Um, well, chiefly, I, I would say it's the image search, but then we also have um, more stuff like with the um, sales volume. So, for example, uh, as I've said in another interview somewhere, um, it's not exactly possible to find out how much the store is making, but we can make like a good estimate and then benchmark stores against each other. And we use machine learning uh, in order to do that. Um, and the sense, you know, the sense that I get is that if we do it this way, at least it's going to become more and more accurate over time rather than just like staying the same. So that's the nice thing about it. We take some of these metrics like from uh, Alexa Web Information Services, similar web. Um, to get some traffic data, which is very important. Um, and then we get actual real data from stores, as in you know their average order value, which you can find from best-selling products, which you can also see on Salesforce. Um, and then there is a bit of estimation in the center um, you know, for the uh, conversion rate. Obviously, conversion rate varies wildly, but you can use like, you know, uh, some wild cards, you know, like industry standard conversion rates from Google Analytics and stuff like that, um, which is publicly available also. Um, and this is kind of like the data that we use. Um, and then we feed it into our algorithm. And then we see how accurate the predictions are, you know, based on the stores of the users that we have coming into Salesforce. And that's how kind of we refine our algorithm. algorithm. Well, so... Um... I'm, I'm trying to parse uh, how much of this is manually done on your and your team end it's and how much of it is... It's all, oh, it's all manual? It's all, all automatic. All oh, automatic. all automatic. Oh, okay. Literally all automatic, yeah. It all happens 
it all happens like magic in the background. I, nobody, um, you know, we have a team of about um, eight people, um, you know, six in the office, and mm-hmm. we do everything automatically. Like, we, everything is algorithmically based. Everything is advanced as it can be. Everything we try and, like, go for a best practice thing. Because I think, like, manually is not scalable anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to create, like, some scalable infrastructure. So eventually, Salesforce can be, you know, the number one platform for selling online, not just dropshipping. Right. So now, uh, I hope this is a fair question, but are you also um, prepped for beginners, for people who don't quite understand this and they do need uh, a lot of guidance in order to uh, make their decision and get into a profitable yeah, position? Think- I think Salesforce is designed for beginners. I wouldn't say um, it's necessarily designed for people who don't know anything about dropshipping, don't know anything about e-commerce. I think you have to have like a tiny bit of prerequisite knowledge. But the basic stuff, like finding a product at its cheapest price from the best supplier that's going to get you faster shipping is key to e-commerce. Like it's key to dropshipping because that's the most important thing. Lowest price, biggest profit, right? Best shipping time, most satisfied customers, less refunds. Easily, right? Find out the competitors selling a given product. And also with a store analyzer, of course, you can find out, you can see how much money a store is making and also see their best selling products. So for market research, if you're going to make like a qualified decision without spending thousands of dollars on Facebook ads, you know, Salesforce is definitely, you know, the product to use. Yeah. And, you know, one, one way I would, char- I would characterize it hearing your answer is that beginner it's beginner friendly that doesn't necessarily mean that people with uh, advanced uh, knowledge and more experience can't use it it just means that the 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 barrier for injury is a lot lower so that's one I try, way that i, I would... think of like you know single moms i think of like people working from home i think of like teenagers like you know like i was when i started obviously like you know not necessarily you know able to use like the most advanced software all the time like you know we don't want to overcomplicate things we want to go for like a nice user experience, a nice clean UI, um, so that you know we can make a platform for everyone to sell online. Because at the end of the day, you know that's kind of where we're headed with this whole pandemic thing. You know, everybody likes selling online now. Everybody's interested in the idea of having an online business. Um, that is the future, I think. I think so too. I mean, even in my own family, um, one of like to one of my cousin and her mom, which would be my Zia, which is Italian for aunt, uh, for those of you who don't know, which I assume are many. Mm-hmm. Both of them have different prospects for business. One of them ha- makes these products, these little clay sculptures. They're very cute. Um, she hasn't selling them online yet, but she certainly could. And it would be low scale, but she's, she can certainly do it. And then my cousin, she's setting up her own store as well. So I think this is, this is something that, you know, it can get to a point where basically everybody can have a business. Mm-hmm. Everybody can have something that they're doing to, to trade with others. And they might not necessarily even be doing it for money. They could just be doing it for other favors or for other reasons too. So I, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, I mean, I think at some point it'll be safe to go to the water park again, but I yeah. also think that oh. it's the, hopefully, uh, cause I've got $300, uh, in credit at Great Wolf Lodge and I'll be damned if I don't get to use it. And so, but even so, I think th- there's this heightened understanding that, you know, the world is a dangerous place and you're always taking a risk with everything, right? There's always going to be a potential for illness. So People are going to be more careful, but people are also going to really utilize their own home space. And once people realize you can just ship it from 
from from from uh, uh, from a supplier. So it's great. It's it's exciting times despite all of the the negativity. But uh, let's uh, let's keep uh, powering through this. So you have to forgive me if we've like semi answered this question based on some of the uh, the information you've provided. But I think it's worth asking again just so that we give it like a fair uh, block of time. But um, what is the activity that you look for when uh, studying in the competition? If you want to put yourself in the position of like your dropshipper and like what your what information you want to look at as a uh, as a, so as a green light. Specifically the competition. Yeah. Um, okay, so mainly I'm going to look at some of these more interesting stores. I'm going to look at their recently uploaded products, right? Because if people are uploading things recently, it's probably a product that's more likely to be trending now. And if it's a product that's more likely to be trending now from a store, you know, that has succeeded in the past, you know, say their monthly revenue is maybe 100000 to 200000 US dollars, a month, which Salesforce will tell you, um, you can then go and have a look. See, do these products have product videos? Do these products have media that I can kind of leverage to create some kind of ads and then actually sell this product myself? Um, obviously, Salesforce does that as well. With the product analyzer, you don't just get all of the um, suppliers and competitors. You actually just you actually get the product images and the videos. Um, and we haven't even spoken about the Chrome extension yet, which is mm. also where you can get like a lot of really nice data and download it instantly like that. See, a lot of people don't know, but you can download all the AliExpress images like that, videos like that, just with the Salesforce Dominus Chrome extension. Um, so mainly I am looking to see a product that's been recently uploaded that I think is like a novel idea and that I think I could easily target to a certain market segment whether it be, you know, people in like the construction industry um, for those indestructible shoes, whether it be, you know, people staying at home for like a, a projector that's like a movie projector that you can like put to your ceiling and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I've like seen those. AP projector. Um, or the star lights, you know, the galaxy lamp that like makes your room like look like a, a galaxy or something like that. There's a bunch of really cool products that, you know, recently trend and especially in lockdown like you know home products have really really been trending recently yeah so we touching on on trending products um this uh this question uh is in two parts so what should people have at the ready to um to act on these winning products. Actually, I guess it is one. Let me, uh, we'll cut that. I'll just ask it again. So because products are popular for a limited time and there is a, and there are trends. So how do people act on these winning products as soon as possible before the, uh, the window of opportunity shuts off? Um, so again, I hate to plug sales also again, but, um, Dude, I mean, that's, so, what, I mean, that's the, that's the core of the episode by yeah, all means. So, so, basically, you like. so basically, Salesforce, we have a feed called trending products and they disappear, right? So not everybody can access them all the time. Like you can't just go back in the archive um, and you can see when they were uploaded and we show the most recently uploaded products first. So if it was uploaded one hour ago, two hours ago, in fact, on Shopify, you can even see products that are about to be uploaded in the future. So we even show you that, right? So we can show you products that are going to be uploaded. So now you can get the insider scoop, the insider trading kind of perspective on, you know, what products are coming out and should I sell them or not. So 
I would definitely suggest having a look at that because there is actually no other way to like find them. Like if you look at AliExpress recently uploaded, fair enough, but also you don't know if that product's been uploaded in the past on AliExpress and same thing on Shopify, but Salesforce is going to show you exactly what products are coming out and when, um, you know, based on data from like millions of stores. Awesome. And, um, and is it looking uh, specifically at, uh, and it maybe like in addition to AliExpress, like where is it uh, finding the products from? Uh, ma- mainly, we mainly for trending products. Actually, we look at Shopify. We look at recently uploaded products on Shopify because um, you can find out like when a product has been uploaded, and then if you sort kind of like by date, um, you know you you can see the on AliExpress. There's it's only half of the puzzle. And then Shopify is like the marketing side of the puzzle. So AliExpress is maybe uh, the supplier side of the puzzle, right? And there's some cool data you can look at there as well. So you can look at the sales graph and you can look at the price history as well with the Chrome extension. So if the price is going up, maybe you can tell like this, this is a popular product I should probably start selling it now. Or you can like say, oh, these guys are jacking up the price. Let me find a different supplier. Um, same with the sales graph, right? If the sales are going up, and you can see also who the top buyers are. So if you see like a bunch of buyers from the USA, and um, you know one guy from the USA has like a hundred orders or something like that, then that's probably an indication that somebody's dropshipping this product and they're being successful with it. So two halves of the puzzle, right? We've got Yin Yang, Shopify, AliExpress. Mm-hmm. The Shopify more of the marketing side, AliExpress is kind of like more of the supply side. That makes sense too. Yeah. So like uh, Shopify would be. Another way to characterize a Shopify front and AliExpress back end. Because I, I mean, yes, people could go to AliExpress and buy things directly. But I think I think buying directly from AliExpress, maybe it's just the trust factor, especially here in the yeah. West, the idea of buying it off AliExpress. Although, is like, okay. AliExpress is probably one of the safest platforms to buy from. Like, you know, they have a lot of checks and they also put the money in like an escrow. So the people, the Chinese people who are selling the products uh, to you uh, don't really get to access their money until the order has gotten to a certain stage of processing, you know, in case like you open a dispute. So it's actually quite safe to order from AliExpress. Um, another thing, I mean, aside from like the bait and switch stuff, but that has never really happened to me. Uh, another thing about AliExpress that's quite interesting um, is that most of the people who sell on AliExpress are middlemen as well. So basically, mm-hmm. they're like an office in China. They won't actually own any of the products themselves, and they'll just order in bulk or a single product from the factory to their office in China and then ship it to you, right? So basically, they're drop shipping to you, which is quite interesting. Um, that's exactly why they can add like any sort of arbitrary markup that they want. And that's why it's really nice to be able to see all of the suppliers because then you can see, oh, this is actually closer to the core factory price of the product. I'm going to buy it for that. But yeah, that's, that's that. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's important that you point that out. I mean, I, 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 um, I have ordered stuff off AliExpress because you know when uh, we we talked before the recording that we uh, we both have a gaming hobby and I like to order buttons because I got into modifying gaming controllers for a little bit and until I realized I'm terrible at it. I but, like, like I, uh, I, I like stickers like like anime stickers like I bought like a bunch of them and you can get like fifty stickers for like two two pounds yeah which is like three dollars like fucking amazing like <laughs> yeah you can get some cool stuff on AliExpress honestly. I, I bought I, I, some of the 
just a, a, a tangent, just for like a second, like some of the controllers that I bought directly from there turned out to be pretty decent quality and even had yeah. like a, some of the tactile feedback was actually better. Like when you, you know, you'll feel like a soft press on a button versus like a hard press where you feel like a click to it. Yeah. Some of the yeah. AliExpress controllers had that nice click. Yeah. Tactile feedback, by the way, this has got some good tactile feedback. Um, yeah. Sorry for the guys who are like on the video call. Um, I was holding a <laughs> PS5 controller. I just got mine today. Very excited. Anyways, uh, did, yeah, one, one question for you about that. Did you get it uh, directly or did you have to get it from a flipper on eBay? I actually, my mother, God bless her, <laughs> uh, pre-ordered it for me. She stayed up three hours. She was like refreshing, 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 refreshing. Finally, she ordered it. Um, and yeah, she sent it to me and I couldn't be more grateful. So finally, I, I, I have the PS5, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty well. Just cons- like I just, I'll, we'll get back to the content, by the way. But I just saw a meme where uh, it, it was like an argument from a Disney movie. I think, I think the Empire's new Emperor's new clothes. It's like, hey, do you got a retro Xbox three sixty? Xbox three sixty is not retro, bro. Xbox three sixty came out fifteen years ago. Uh, <sighs> man, fifteen years ago. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. I, I yeah. remember because I had it. Um, yeah, right. But these things they don't they don't feel retro. I think because like when I think retro, I think like two D side scrolling, and there's a very clear Even PS4 marker. Four doesn't feel retro. Like that was nine years ago. That's like ten years ago. It's like ten years ago. I have like a PS4 Pro here, and like it looks like brand new. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah. Even Champions of North on the PS2 holds up. Okay, that was it. That was everything. Okay, I'll, I'll let to, it go. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all right. So one of your uh, one of your main mantras is focusing on customer experience. I, I, I've seen this from Instagram and Twitter, and it's something that uh, is very prominently promoted on on your socials. So um, more specifically, you know, what what do you do to accomplish this, and what do you recommend people do to accomplish this? Okay, um, I think. When you have a business, you know, you're serving the customers, right? And it's really yeah. nice in a business because it's not like having like a relationship with like a friend. It's not like having a relationship with like a lover. It's like actually you can give way more to the customers. You can give so much value to your customers and have it be like this kind of like really cool relationship where you're kind of like in the shadows, but then you're still like changing their lives and like really providing some cool stuff to them. So the main thing that we do is providing 24 seven, you know, customer service uh, on the weekends as well. Um, another thing that we've got is our brilliant UI and UX designers that really looking into how the customers are using the product with tools like Lucky Orange, um, you know, to see mm-hmm. where things can be improved, making the product look really nice and clean and just having like a very beautiful UI, uh, working on, you know, improvements in speed and reliability and also, um, you know, providing customers like with a bunch of different features to accomplish the same goal, you know, not just, you know, saying here's one feature, have that. So really, I just want to give as much value to the customers as possible. You also uh, advise dropshippers to uh, leverage uh, Pinterest and Reddit for their uh, uh, for their marketing. For sure. Now, Pinterest, we we've talked about in the past. Uh, we've had a couple of people who are Pinterest experts, and I'll I'll, I'll hear your take on it too. Uh, but Reddit is new to us. Uh, yeah. I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody I, about Reddit I, so and the Reddit ecosystem. 
I did um, advertising for one of my second stores, which is like a streetwear, like Japanese clothing inspired store. And I made 55% profit just by advertising on Reddit, on like all the streetwear subreddits and everything. And that's it. Like, that's all I've got to say. Like 55% profit, like way more profitable than Facebook ads and nobody else is doing it. So, you know, like it was dirt cheap to get people on the site and the traffic doesn't convert as highly as Facebook. Um, because people on Reddit maybe don't like being advertised to. But in terms of the overall profitability, it was very profitable. And very, very, you know, there's no competition there. So why not try it? Like, it won't work for all the niches. But the nice thing about Reddit is that they have these things called subreddits, which is like a little community for something. Say there's yeah. one for like London, the city that I'm in right now. Or say there's one for like Smash Brothers. Some, there's one for Demon Souls. There's one for the PS5. There's one for basically anything that you can think of. And you can hyper-target the people in that community who you already know are passionate. So I did like streetwear um, from on my end. Yeah, uh, one thing I'll tag on to Reddit too is that however specific you think you can go, Reddit will surprise you. So yeah, you, you, you mentioned Super Smash Brothers, but there's like subreddits for each of the games. Uh, yeah, there's subreddits yeah, yeah, for yeah. each of the characters. There's yeah. subreddits for the competitive scene, uh, then for like the true competitive scene. So it goes as I think I think it's probably one of the most niche community like. That's not a community in of itself, but it's a it's a platform for a niche community. There's this there's this anime um, that I watched called Legend of the Galactic Heroes. It's not niche, but within the anime world, it kind of is niche. Um, but you know that subreddit that has like five thousand followers, which is like nothing, and like that is the only place I can find some like quality content on one of my favorite animes. Um, another one called Valence, um, which is like technical performance outdoor gear. Um, 3.8k subscribers that I follow because I really like their clothes. Um, yeah, like there are some really, really cool communities on Reddit. Really cool. Yeah, I, 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 I would, uh, I would recommend if people don't have a Reddit account. Um, it, it, I, I hate to say this, but Reddit is a bit political. So, but you yeah, can curate it, so you can. But you, you can, can like unsubscribe from what I, I have yeah. no politics. It's just stuff that I really like, like in front of me, like you can subscribe to only things that you like and you don't have to like deal with the political stuff. And if you feel political one day, um, maybe you can go to like r slash all where you can see like all of the posts. I tend not to do that because Reddit is like getting more and more political, you know, especially than it was before. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I, it's still a great platform. And if I have like five minutes, to, uh, normally I go on Reddit. Yeah, and uh, um, one last plug for Reddit, and then we'll move on. But what you'll find too is it it really validates a person's lifestyle choices. And you know, for me, like yeah. I like spiders, right? So the idea of being able to go to a, a subreddit for other people who are enthusiastic about it, you know, you can make some uh, connections there that uh, you just can't get, not even at a library. Um, so one last thing, I just want to know, maybe in in terms of the process, so. I think when a lot of people, they think of like promoting something on Reddit, they think that they're going to have to like join the community and become a participant and start to talk to other people, which would be helpful, mind you, but you don't have to do that, right? You can just like pay no, for, no, for an ad to be displayed. Ads, like, I think you need a Reddit account, but other than that, like Reddit is really trying to push like the revenue kind of model. You know, they've got a bunch of um, investors now. Everybody sees like, oh, Reddit is this platform that we money off of it's very popular and it is popular and most of the people that use it are from the united states which is what makes it like really really good to sell products uh to i think a 
especially high ticket products would do amazing on Reddit. Hyper niche, hyper targeted, expensive product. With Reddit ads, you will destroy it, like honestly. So you can have these, there's a bunch of different ads you can do, but um, if you visit Reddit uh, and you see like the ads on the top, they're very like unintrusive, but it's like a text ad with like a little, you know, 64 pixel by 64 pixel image. Um, and that can work really well. Like, especially if you're, with the stuff that you're selling again is like hyper targeted, hyper niche. Like you can make a lot of money on Reddit, trust me. Yeah, and then one other point I want to make too about it is that they're um, in the same way that Google ads are presented similar but not exactly like organic search results. The the yeah, ads yeah, yeah, yeah. they they I have this process. yeah yeah, and so people can comment on the ads too. So that that gives people a way to directly interact with the with the brand as well. Uh, yeah. Great refresh course. I, yeah. comments as well. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> if, if you don't, yeah. If you don't want to hear the feedback, oh, but yeah, you, yeah, can do, a, you can do uh, gifts and images as well. Uh, we did one with like uh, Mark Zuckerberg and like a picture of like a sheep and like it's like a gif and it like slices between the two images and it's like uncanny how similar they look. And it says like, you know, don't be a drop sheep, use sales source, you know, for your e commerce business, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And I think people t- typically, uh, don't, don't mind people taking shots at uh, at the Zuck. Uh, actually, it's funny. It's funny. You can even like post like derogatory ads about Mark Zuckerberg on his own platform. Like I've seen so many ads that they like shrink his face and they like make his eyes like really small and he looks like a buffoon. And then it's like you know, don't let Zuck mess over your Facebook ads. Use our Facebook ads platform. And like I'm surprised they even let that. I guess Mark Zuckerberg, as long as he's making money, doesn't mind his own image of yeah. being. Well, well, it's brand retention, right? Because it's still bringing up Facebook and it's re reinforcing it. Because that's uh, you know, if people don't want to use Facebook, they'll get off it. But other than otherwise, you can see like kind of stuff all day, and and people are addicted to it. Actually, it's funny enough because um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was. Um, because I saw from some of your uh, from your socials is that people get their Facebook ad accounts disabled, and I'm I'm primarily asking this out of, for, for for the fun of it because from what I understand, there are a hundred thousand reasons why a Facebook ad can get disabled. So, like, what are some of the causes that you've seen transpire? It's mainly listen with those like it's mainly just been uh, automated flags. Like basically, something weird will happen. Someone will leave a weird comment, or something like you know unusual will happen. Um, and it triggers the algorithm and the algorithm disables your account. There's typically never, like, because there's so many ad accounts, so many ads being run, I don't think, like, it's ever really due to a violation at first. It's only when a person actually manually reviews your account that a violation is then found. Now, don't quote me on this. I think that's it. Um, but, you know, it's the, the main stuff is, like, you know, if you're selling copyrighted products, do not do that. You'll get your account disabled straight away. And um, if you're like, you know, you know, doing like anything with nudity or, you know, something that goes against like, you know, Facebook's guidelines. But most of the time, you know, Facebook just likes to disable people's ad accounts for no reason and then take ages to uh, re-enable them. So, yeah. Thanks, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, we... <laughs> We, uh, Google, we Google, ads, Google ads is much better in that way. Like Google ads, I've never had any problems with them. So yeah, maybe Google ads is like a savior from Mark Zuckerberg. But, you know, we use both platforms. I think it's important to like leverage as many advertising platforms uh, as you can. And, you know, just don't go overboard with them. 
Yeah, that's fair. And also, I think, too, with people selling their... Um, you Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think there is a different level of um, commitment for a company if they're going to sell on Google ads because people are searching for results on Google. So they are a little bit more warm to the results that they'll find. Whereas I think Facebook, I have, by the way, as a customer, like I've ordered stuff from Facebook ads and the product never even arrived at my door. So I have seen like some varying degrees of commitment on Facebook, uh, people selling on Facebook versus results on Google. Yeah. All right. Uh, so next one I got, uh, I got ready for you. Um, Let me just uh, chip in. Uh, sure. the, nice, the nice thing about actually using Salesforce is that you don't only use it for actually like, you know, supplying products. Uh, you can actually, what you can actually do is use it for shopping yourself. <laughs> so if you're on like a Shopify store, it'll tell you, first of all. And then second of all, you can like analyze the product straight from the Shopify store with the Chrome extension. So actually, if you're on any store and you can find the product cheaper, Salesforce is going to tell you. As long as you analyze it, you can like see what the real price of the product is, which is pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. So then you just use that information and buy it yourself. That Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. helps, you, helps you save money on it. Right? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. That's a, that's a pretty cool feature. But so here's one for you. So uh, this is another one I got from your interview on Medium. Um, you use uh, Salesforce to help people find untapped niches. So uh, when I hear this, what I'm reading is that there are niches that, well, people really don't really hear about. We hear about pets. We hear about jewelry. We hear about fashion, uh, home, living, obviously very popular. But like, what are some of the ones that people might not know about or might not hear about? Um, so niches that people don't hear about is generally stuff like, that you wouldn't understand unless you were kind of like in that lifestyle. Like for example, um, the one that I like to bring up is like building materials, like stuff for like building or DIY that helps you do like some niche task. Um, like there's one that helps you like, you know, in the bathroom, I'm not a DIY guy, so I might sound very wrong about this, but in the bathroom, um, there's these, um, you can like use like this filler thing to like fill in gaps um, like between the walls so that water doesn't get behind and like cause some like damage. Um, and there's this like tool that you can use that like strips uh, any excess material from that. And that mm. one, um, this product like got so many sales and I didn't even understand it. Another one like that was quite interesting for me um, was like all of these like custom products. Um, that you could drop ship, like you can do like drop shipping coffee. You can like make your own coffee brand, like <laughs> custom coffee drop shipping. Um, and there was like this other store that was like all in Japanese, but it was like trending products sold by like this guy from Portugal. Cause I actually managed to find out who owned the store and he basically paid to get his entire store translated to Japanese and he sold the same products as everyone else just to the Japanese audience. And obviously they'd never seen them before. So that really took off. So all of these like creative and like, untapped like marketing strategies are things that you can like do to like get ahead in the dropshipping game. Translating all into the Japanese. Um, I, I just want to ask like one more question about that too, but like, did he have to get like a Japanese speaking VA in order to handle customer service? Cause you would think he's going to have to. Think, yeah. You would yeah. think. Yeah. You would think. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure about that. Cause um, yeah, but I just thought it was interesting. Like that his store was like taking off because 
This what I mean. You, as soon as you see a story in a different language, some people's brains just turn off. Oh, that's not for me. Oh, I can't understand it. But really, you should be looking at opportunity because if a store's in another language and it's making a lot of money, then you know, like, think about it. Like, it might be a good idea. That depends on motivation too. I know I've been to some Japanese websites, uh, depending on what I'm looking for. Um, okay. Oh, well, here, here's what I'm 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 curious about. Um, because I know you offer a, a seven day trial, and and I'm and I'm asking about like the logistics of it or what how for for expectations sake, um, how much can people pull off in that seven day trial to the point where maybe they can actually like afford the uh, the plan uh, thereafter or is it just to kind of like feel around and then do you no, think you, you can, can pull anything off? You can like yeah, you can like definitely pull something off. You can definitely get a taste of the platform you can analyze like you know five products and you can uh, analyze up to like 20 stores which is quite a lot like 20 stores is see here let me put it this way you can see 20 stores the best selling products the recently uploaded products the apps the theme and you know how much uh, revenue they're making the revenue estimate monthly um so with that information and also with the chrome extension as well where you can like download all the images from any aliexpress product and find for example you know the product images product videos you should be able to like test at least five products out um and i think that's enough to make one or two sales um now you know i would encourage people honestly to at least invest in drop shipping at least 300 500 dollars you know it's not completely free and i think a sales source plan is definitely a, a needed part of that 300 500 dollars yeah and i was looking at that too because there are also some vital apps and uh, they were budgeted at i think it was 80 dollars. no i would assume that would be 80 dollars a month like th- this um, is a, these are monthly budgets yeah but then obviously we don't include sales source within that like course, vital yeah, apps, yeah, yeah. Just different apps shopify. yeah yeah vital apps from shopify platform itself um which actually, just a little plug, Salesforce is now also on the Shopify app store. So you can pay through Shopify or you can come directly to us. And, um, you know, we just wanted people to be a bit more comfortable and a bit more flexible with their billing. Um, so we've also got that option, again, part of our agenda to make Salesforce as available as possible, get it into the hands of as many people as possible. Yeah. So uh, and I'll, I'll admit, too, for transparency's sake, is that, and I think I admitted this at the beginning of the episode, but I... Can't remember, so whatever. I'll just edit out one of the two if I have to. But me, I I, I do want to do this too. Uh, I have I have my own design. So putting myself in this uh, hypothetical scenario, what I imagine I would do is I would set up my store first. I would figure yeah, out what yeah, my yeah. what my niche is and like what are the general products I want to sell. So in that way, when I open up Sales Source, I'm going to like look through the products and see what ones are going to fit my store, and then just get them out onto the market. That sounds, that definitely sounds good to me. Um, you can do it either or uh, it's best for, I think Salesforce is best used when, you know, making a new store. If you're already paying for the plan, obviously you don't need to worry about that. But if you want to leverage a seven day free trial in the best way possible, kind of like get an idea of your store first and then research the products, find the best suppliers for them, find out, you know, more products to sell. Uh, using Salesforce, I think that that is uh, the most efficient use. Yeah. Okay, great, great, good to keep in mind. So uh, we got about another uh, ten minutes to, to go. Uh, we're we're nearing we're in the final act of this uh, of this saga. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was uh, building supplier rate relationships. It's one of the key parts. Personally, I find it intimidating. I haven't done it yet. People tend to be intimidated by things they haven't done, and I know that Salesforce uh, assists with this. So, what exactly? 
can I like what am I looking forward to in terms of getting a good supplier relationship going with the products that I'm selling? Um, let's just let's just assume, and I'll, and I'll characterize this with a specific item just to make, make kind of make it easier for people to visualize. So now that I've committed to this, but one of the items I've always enjoyed was the uh, those lighters where you can just like keep writing the same um, wick over and over again, and it's it's made out of metal. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, yeah, I like that one. I don't know. I th- might be too saturated by this point, but I kind of like that one anyways. I might just order it. So, like, I how do I build a good supplier relationship so I know I've got this consistently and I can meet with demand? So, say, say you've got your lighter, right? Um, and, you know, you start selling it. <clears throat> it starts making sales. Um, you're doing really well. And then all of a sudden, you go to, like, buy the item on AliExpress again, and the price has gone up by, say, like, 33%, and you're no longer profitable. So that wouldn't be great, would it? Um, and unfortunately, this is the truth of, like, selling on AliExpress. This stuff can't happen. Um, and unless you have, like, a certain order volume a day, maybe, like, 50 orders a day or 100 orders a day of just that one product, um, it's also hard to find your own like dedicated supplier. Um, obviously, Salesforce assisted that as well. But let's just talk about the normal case, the no, no average person on AliExpress. They don't know that this could happen to them. Well, on Salesforce, instantly, you can just press Analyze Product and you can find like another supplier overnight. You can just switch them like that. Um, Oberlo has like an integration where you can switch suppliers right like that like straight away and then you can continue buying the product perhaps maybe even for a lower price so as long as Salesforce finds you different suppliers there's no need to worry about meeting demands mm-hmm. and then well some of it too would also be uh consistency in packaging too like one parameter i would want to set is if i, I expect that the packaging to be in a specific color or if it needs to be on brand if I would want to filter out suppliers that can or cannot meet those uh, requirements? Um, so for that, it is like more of a dedicated supplier thing. And that's something that we're working on. Uh, there isn't as much demand for that, like from our customers right now. But I would say um, from my experience, because I've done it before, you can get custom packaging, you can get engraving on the packaging, you can like get basically custom anything. And it's quite cheap. But you have to get uh, directly in touch with, you know, your own supplier um, on WeChat or something like that. And it's quite a difficult process. And that's why, you know, we're going to introduce um, kind of like 2021 uh, sales of suppliers, which is going to be just what you're talking about. Um, a massive database of suppliers from all over the world, not just China. Um, and we're going to have like integrated communication with them within the platform um, because right now it's like a very murky waters you know you have to get mm-hmm. a wechat you have to get your account approved you have to use like some vpn or something like that like it's very dodgy but we're trying to make that more transparent and like really itemize and like categorize supplier relationships as well so that for people like you who want to create like a their own brand or like really take their own brand that they've got to the next level um, you can do that mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you mentioned too, that I, I think is worth just like a little bit of extra, uh, focus, cause this is kind of a serious issue is the, uh, supplier price adjustment where suppliers yeah. will just kind of like change the cost of something on the fly. Um, but I also know that 
from from reading some of your material is that at the end of the day, you know, AliExpress wants their customers to have the best prices. So yeah. I'm trying to, in my mind, square those two issues: is that why they're adjusting the prices versus how, well, how they also manage to provide the best value for their buyers. It's the suppliers, I think. You know that sometimes if you're getting a lot of sales, you might want to be a bit greedy and increase your prices. But there'll always be another supplier. If that product is popular, that is willing to give it to you for a cheaper price because they don't care. Like they want to make the sales after all. So the nice thing about AliExpress is like the, it's a competitive market, but um, you know the suppliers on AliExpress are competing for you. They're competing for your business. They're competing for your money, uh, and they want you to order from them uh, rather than somebody else. So that's kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. All right, so. I got two more uh, chambered for you, and then I'll let you go. Um, one of them is actually just, uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit about your background, because I kind of want to know like how, what you were doing uh, prior to this and how you uh, how you discovered this, um, or like what you would have thought you would have do uh, otherwise. But th before I do that one, uh, this one I thought would be fun to ask, just to kind of get your, your, your take on it. But one of your blog articles, you list like the top best-selling products, I think of all time, or at yeah. the very least of like the last significant window. Um, foil balloons, silver chain necklace, uh, fishing lines, resistant bands for yoga, fake eyelashes, uh, yeah. black, blackhead removal, silicone strap for Apple Watch. That one's not a surprise. Nail polish, a glass screen protector. Um, and number one was a magnetic USB cable. Oh, yeah, so, that one is insane. Um, so uh, a bit more context from these. These are only by AliExpress sales volume. So, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. But yeah, that sure. magnetic cable insane like it's basically a braided cable and you can attach um with like it's magnetic you can attach any phone end to it so it can be used with a samsung phone it can be used with you know usb type c it can be used with like iphone and um, you just switch out the ends of it like and it connects magnetically i don't know how they did this like magic but you can imagine like that's super super popular product um yeah, can we can we make any other inferences from any of these other products like what is it that they have in common that seems to make himself so well i think i think here's what it is really and this is realistically one of the things like all of these products have huge markets like for example the um you know eyelashes mascara whatever we were talking about um it's all beauty the uh, nose pore remover is like beauty a massive market yeah. huge market cosmetics uh, and then the milanese strap for the apple watch and the um you know the cable is like smartphones especially uh, the Chinese AirPods, as I like to call them as well, you know, the ones that look like AirPods, but they're not, are also a huge market. So the ones that have like the most, most sales are always like a huge, huge market. Posture corrector as well, like health and fitness, like posture, everybody's like hunched over. The ones that solve like the biggest problems in the biggest markets get the most sales, uh, unsurprisingly. Yeah, that makes sense. Although I will say uh, I tried one of them posture correctors and I don't recommend the Velcro ones. Just because yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. wanted to get good resistance going and the Velcro just didn't hold up. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. my own personal take on that. Cool. My, so, my, my, my take on it is, you know, don't look for a shortcut and, uh, you know, go work out. You know, like if yeah. you want posture corrected, like, you know, don't look for a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. Every night I lay back on my bed and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll lay just like flat as long as I can just to try to like, correct my spine. I do know, I think teeter inversion tables, I think those help out. But that is not a shortcut if you look at the price tag. Um. One thing I just want to know about about you personally is I so I so I, I realize that you did talk about how you uh, got into e-commerce at the beginning, but I I want to know like how you got into programming and how uh, that side of it intrigued you. 
I've been programming since I was like 14 um, and I really liked it because kind of like I've been using computers all my life and programming seemed to be like the next kind of step to take, um, especially to just like become more familiar with like, um, you know, how computers work, stuff like that. So I started programming Python, doing like a bunch of like mathematical stuff and I always knew it, but I kind of had this idea in my head that I needed to go to like university and do computer science. Um, you know, in order to really achieve my potential. But as soon as I started making money, I, you know, I got into some fairly good universities and I decided just to take the risk and just not go to uni. Like, at the end of the day, like, and I don't regret it two years later. Um, you know, I think I've done quite well for myself. And mm-hmm. yeah, what really, what I really like about software is that you can legitimately change the world with it. And that's kind of like what I'm looking to do. So you asked before about e-commerce, about dropshipping, you know, maybe this is something that is just a stepping stone to like get me to the next level, to get me to like the bigger industries and, you know, change the world, have impact, you know, just a bit more kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's terrific. So one part of it too, um, you and I, I think we have about a ten year gap because I'm 31 years old. Yeah. Uh, I know I don't look it, but uh, if you if you go closer, you'll start to see the gray hairs. <laughs> a bit more. Now, for me, the, I think like the first seven or eight years, there was no computer access for me. It was just TV and magazines and Sega Genesis. Um, so my first computer, yeah, we we would. We didn't do too much on it. So computers didn't imprint on me right away. Electronics didn't imprint right away, although it didn't take long. And for that, I'm grateful. But uh, I, I just want to know from like from your perspective, it's like how quickly screens like technology got to imprint yeah, on you. Very, very, very. So when I was like maybe three, first used the computer and I was like hooked. Three, like, like, um, <laughs> I used to use the old CRTs and then, you know, in the early 2000s it was like the flat panels you know flat panel monitors with like the big power unit uh, i got my first iphone when i was like 11 i got the iphone i think 3gs so that was like the, the classic that was a game changer right i knew this was big i knew it was going to be so big but i was fucking 11 if only i could have like done something about it because i knew this was going to be big as soon as i used it um so yeah um and then from there i kind of just got onto like more laptops but I've been, you know, gaming, you know, using computers all my life. It's an ecosystem like I'm really familiar with. Um, and I think I mostly nowadays just use computers for productivity, life enhancement, you know, ordering food, um, you know, meeting interesting people, you know, you know, creating sales source and stuff like that. Um, but I think like there is always, it's always good to have like a balance, right? You want to mm-hmm. live the real world. So now when I'm with people, I turn my phone off, I, you know, I turn my laptop off. I want to just like, you know, live in the real world kind of a thing. Um, as somebody who is like immersed in the digital ecosystem for like my whole life, like I think that living in the real world is like really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 keen on seeing what's going to happen in a few generations when I'm in like, you know, my, my 50s and 60s. And we'll have quite a few waves of people who will be born into um our, our our digital age. Um, I think we've got about two generations so far of that, and it will get to a point where every generation uh, living on Earth will have technology of this caliber imprinted onto them pretty much right away. So we're not gonna we're not gonna unpack that uh, today because you know we're actually uh, out of time. But it's something to think about. It's a good it's a good takeaway, uh, listeners. So Kyle, thanks again for your time. 
Um, we're going to give you one the floor one more time. If you have any parting words of wisdom or anything that you'd like to share with people in general. And secondly, uh, how people can reach out to you and how people can get started. So the floor is yours once more. Okay. Um, so basically, I know all of you guys listening are probably interested or know something about e-commerce. And if you haven't yet started, I highly encourage you to just do it. You know, don't listen to what other people say. At least try it. You know, if you're young or even if you're a bit older, like you have nothing to lose. Like, you know, at the end of the day, that's what they say. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Take a leap and take a bit of a risk and kind of like, you know, live life um, to its fullest. Like, honestly, you probably won't regret it and you're going to learn a lot. Um, if you want to check out SalesSource, it's salesource.io. You can have a seven-day free trial uh, straight up. And if you want to get in touch with us, we're on all the social medias, um, just salesource at salesource.io on Instagram, support at salesource.io. Um, please feel free to get in touch with me if you have any questions or concerns. And yeah, honestly, I wish everybody the best of luck in their journey. And we're all kind of like striving for this goal, you know, in life to be happy, to be financially free, financially independent. And I think dropshipping is just one of those business models that can help you get there um, if you do it right. But yeah. Excellent. All right, Kyle. Uh, it's been it's been great talking to you. It's been great meeting you. And to our listeners, I hope you guys got a lot of good value out of this today. And we will check in with you next time. So take care. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.